0: Welcome to Episode 2 of Advanced Scout, your favorite podcast about Clutch Baseball, a card game that's actually a board game about a ball game. I'm Paul Seeley, manager of the FedWeezy Fusion. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that Clutch Baseball has a Discord, and it is awesome. Chat about the game, play games, check out cool team building resources, react to things with the eggplant emoji. We have it all. I would especially recommend making heavy use of the Lineup Simulator. It basically allows you to see expected stats from a matchup between a pitcher and a batter. I know you people from Discord are listening, and I always say that you should be using the Lineup Sim. But seriously, use the Lineup Sim. Come join us. A link to the Discord will be in the the description of this podcast. So, like, what's even the root of our existence? Do we derive purpose from, like, our service to, like, a God? Or maybe God's towards any specific goal? Or maybe it's just, like, an infinite service to them, you know? Like, do we have some kind of soul? And our goal is to remain true to whatever our soul is inside? Or is our meaning just accomplishing stuff? Like, are those accomplishments, like, objectives? Like, if you discover a new medicine, you have meaning, no matter who you are? Are they, like, subjective, like, depends on who you are, there's different things that you can accomplish. Or maybe there's just no meaning. Like, maybe we don't have one, you know? Or maybe there is a meaning, but whatever it is, we just can't find it. And what do we mean by the purpose of life anyway? Like, what is the meaning of meaning? Are there some moments in our lives that are more meaningful than others? Are there some lives that are more meaningful than others? Man, the world is crazy. Trying to think about the purpose of my life just blows my mind. I don't know if I can handle that kind of philosophy. But, I can handle a discussion of deck philosophy. A lot of card games, like Magic the Gathering, operate within a basic meta of aggro and control. Because card games like this require mana to play cards, and players have a limited amount of mana per turn that increases each turn, aggro and control decks navigate this dynamic in opposite ways. Aggro decks attempt to end the game early with a lot of lower cost cards that will do so much direct damage to their opponent as possible to win the game as early as possible. Control decks will attempt to find as much value as possible by removing key threats and not allowing their opponent to execute their strategy and then have a few big key cards that will win them the game at the end. This dynamic translates to Clutch better in some aspects than it does in others. Clutch doesn't have mana, nor does it have life. So the dynamic of ending the game, early or late, doesn't really exist. The easiest translation to an aggro style of gameplay is to aggressively try to draw as many cards as possible, especially in the early game. This is because if your deck has lots of cards, those cards will draw more cards. The more cards you draw, the more cards you draw that will draw more cards, and thus the more cards you will draw. So in this sense... Going all-in on drawing is Clutch's version of an aggro deck. It aims to get such an early advantage from card draw that the draw engine keeps going and going and becomes insurmountable. This was the strategy most prevalent in the high-heat competitive season. Riley cap giving you a card for each walk or hit for a half-inning combined with a good chance that the, that the card you draw from that can be used to give you more hits, which would give you more cards, or would just straight up give you more cards in general, giving you a potentially insurmountable early game card advantage. More cards that draw also give you a higher chance of finding Rally Cap, which inevitably fed itself even more. Thankfully, for competitive play, they have changed Rally Cap to only work while you are losing. I am very thankful for that. Even still, an aggro draw style is by far the most prominent style of play in the competitive meta right now. Cards like Full Monty, Advanced Scout, Golden Ratio, Left for Dead, and Manager Aaron Boone are very powerful, because they all work together to find more draw cards, which will then allow you to find more draw cards and more cards in general. Pitching cards can have a good amount of card draw if they use K-icons with cards like High and Tight and Strongside. Control as a concept does not translate particularly well to Clutch yet. In a game like Magic, your goal with a control deck is to try to survive the early game by being very tactical in stopping your opponents from executing their strategy. You won't be able to remove or disable everything, so you have to pick what is most important to stop. Then, eventually you live long enough to get a big, expensive card out that wins the game for you. Neither of those concepts work particularly well yet as it comes to clutch. Ahead in the count and pitcher's count are good examples of cards that do what a control deck would want. You can't stop every power dice swing your opponent has but you can pick and choose which ones to negate to hopefully mitigate the damage and stop your opponent from scoring lots of runs. Late game, big, expensive cards don't really exist either because mana doesn't really exist in clutch. The one allegory that might make some sense would be cards that revolve around clutch moments, which are most commonly playable after the 7th inning when the score is within 3. But I think in general, those cards are not so powerful that they will be able to be used as game-ending cards like a late-game card would be in a control deck in Magic. Cards that are somewhat like a control card are cards that force your opponent to discard cards. Who Run It, which will force at least one discard if you score a run with an R-Icon player, Rain Delay, which is potentially powerful as it requires both managers to discard their hands and redraw new cards, as well as the upcoming cards of Tipping Their Pitches and Clamped Down, which allow you to look at your opponent's hand and discard one of their cards as well as your own, as well as You Really Got Me, which forces your opponent to discard two cards if you give up a home run and are losing, are all cards that work like this. The reason these are difficult to say are fully controlled cards is that they are mostly proactive plays, rather than reactive ones. With the exception of tipping their pitches and clamped down, your opponent gets to choose what to discard, not you. Even for tipping their pitches and clamped down, in a lot of circumstances, you won't know what cards they have in their hand when you play those cards. So even though you do get to pick a card from their hand, you aren't stopping a specific play, you're just hoping that your discard will hit something good. Exceptions to this may include Detroit and Houston stadiums, as those stadiums give you opportunities to look at your opponent's hand, either for an extra base hit in Houston, or for an inning with at least two strikeouts for Detroit. Admittedly, I haven't tried a control-oriented strategy with these stadiums. But even still, having a team oriented for control that only works at your home stadium is not particularly great in my opinion. Discarding cards randomly is nice in that it stops your opponent, if they are running a deck based around drawing and playing lots of cards, from doing that particularly well. But being able to draw cards is much easier than being able to discard them, and in my experience, trying to win via discards is similar to trying to fix the public image of a team of cheaters by hiring a veteran, well-liked manager. It's a nice attempt, but people will still trash you. So here's where that leaves us. Aggro drawing-centric decks will tend to work pretty well, regardless of what your opponent does to try to stop them. This is why drawing has become such a common strategy in competitive clutch circles. Of course, this doesn't mean you have to have every card in your deck revolve around drawing. You need cards that provide you value to justify drawing as many of them as you can. A deck of 50 cards that all say, draw one card, would be pointless. There are also no combos of cards that are so good that it's worth trying to draw through your whole deck just to find that combo to end the game. In Magic, this would be called the combo deck. So a lot of deck building is centered around finding a balance. The more card draw you have, the more reliable the triggers on your card needs to be in order to avoid hitting the hand limit and needing to discard. Usually, Reliability of a trigger will come at a cost of less value in the optimal situation, though cards aren't balanced so evenly as to make all of these perfectly even. So, you want to get the most value out of your cards, which tends to mean drawing as many cards as you can, but also not discarding cards for a full hand, while also getting powerful effects from your cards. This is where the offense versus defense paradigm fits in. Generally speaking, if you run K-icons on your pitchers, those will probably provide you with the most consistent drawing of any other subset of cards. But in order to get that, you have to pay for cards with the K-icon, which in general means paying for fairly expensive pitchers, and in my opinion, does not give you good value. Additionally, at least in my experience, Trying to build with those cards get me, gets me into the situation where I actually have so much drawing that I have too many cards and I don't have any cards that actually do really powerful effects. It's absolutely a reasonable build choice. There are managers who have way more experience than I do and have done really well with it. So I'm not saying you can't do it. It is perfectly legitimate. But that's what tends to make it less popular. There are a number of offensive cards that are both easy to use and very powerful. See It Clearly, On Deck Circle, Ribeye Steak, and Squared It Up are all examples of cards that are fairly easy to use and give you a Power Dice Swing. There are two reasons why the Power Dice Swing is so good. First, modifying the swing will always provide you a greater value than an equal amount of modifying the pitch, command, or on base. The reason for this is that getting the advantage is a binary outcome, either you get the advantage or you don't. So adding plus two to your on base will only matter in the two roles that your opponent would have gotten the advantage, but now you do. So only 10% of the time will adding to on base or pitch matter. If you do get it in 10%, it's a huge swing, so it's not like trying to gain advantage is wrong. It's just that it doesn't give you the same increase as modifying the swing. Modifying the swing, on the other hand, will always work, whether you get the advantage or not. You still have your plus two or minus two to the swing. And since the swing is always on a spectrum, that plus two could change from a fly ball to a walk, or from a single to a double. It's more likely that the change to the swing will have a direct impact. Second, the power die will almost always be a greater value than adding to the swing. Most additions to the swing are plus two. A power die tends to be more powerful than that because it increases your chances at an extra base hit immensely. Let's say your bender hits a home run at 20. With a regular die and plus two to the swing, you have a three in 20 chance at hitting a home run. You get a home run if you roll an 18, 19, or 20. If you have a power die instead, you have a 5 in 24 chance of hitting a home run. You get a home run on 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24. So plus 2 gives you a 15% chance at a home run, and a power die gives you a 20.8% chance at a home run. The plus 2 to the swing will likely, in almost every case, increase the chance you get on base more than the power die will but usually the difference between that and what the power die gives you is fairly small in comparison to the increased power die chance. If your batter has 6 outs, adding plus 2 to the swing means you get out if you roll a 1, 2, 3, or 4. A 4 and 20 chance. If you roll the power die instead, you'll get out 6 every 24 times. So the plus 2 to the swing will give you a 20% chance at an out, and the power die will give you a 25% chance at getting out. In most cases and scenarios, the extra power from the power die will be more likely to help you, but there are cases where you have a rally going and you just need to hit a single to score two runs. They're not extremely far apart, but the power die is usually better. The reason why the second part is significant is that defense can subtract from your swing, but they have no equivalent to the power die swing right now. They can roll a power die pitch, but that still only affects the binary outcome of the advantage. So not only do offensive cards that give you a power dice swing give you the most powerful modifier in the game, they are also a lot of easy ways to get a lot of them. This is why cards that provide power die swings are fairly common. Generally speaking, you want cards that work together. Offensive cards work together because you want to play powerful offensive cards when you have people on base, and powerful offensive cards can get people on base. Defensive cards work together if you can use them to stop people from getting on base, or even if you can't, then stopping the big home run with people on base. This isn't a hard and fast rule, but decks tend to lean in a direction your team doesn't necessarily have to lean in the same direction as your deck. As I said in episode 1, some people might think the best value of a power dice swing is to use really good pitchers to shut down your opponent and use power dice swings to get a few runs in and win the game. The most important thing, though, is getting value. So even if your deck is very offense-heavy, I would still recommend you use Heartbreaker because it's really good. And if your deck is very defense heavy, I'd still recommend using see it clearly. Because it's an easy power die, and those are really good. So don't feel like you have to box yourself into offense or defense. More than that, you want to box yourself into an overall strategy, aggro or control. And since control, at least so far, doesn't work very well, you probably want to go with aggro. So, to summarize, when making your deck, keep your overall deck strategy in mind. If your goal is to draw more cards than your opponent, which I would recommend right now, then make sure you use a lot of cards that get you to that goal. From there, make sure you are balancing your hand size by making your cards reliable enough that you won't have to discard them. This is something that will come with experience and playtesting. Finally, use the cards that give you the most overall value. These will tend to be, but not always be, cards that work well together. If you're using a card that doesn't work well with the other cards in your deck, and it doesn't really fit into your overall strategy, ask yourself if the card is so good that you should use it anyway. There are cards like that but make sure you're thinking about it. Look for future episodes to focus on different team archetypes. It's important to understand the current meta we are in and why in order to understand how to operate and understand those archetypes within this meta. That's going to do it for today's show. See you next time.